We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome to KCBS In-Depth, a discussion of one of the topics making news this week. This is KCBS In-Depth. And I'm KCBS radio reporter Jenna Lane, sitting in this week for In-Depth host Jane McMillan. The Bay Area made national headlines on Tuesday in tragic fashion. CBS News special report. There has been a shooting at the YouTube headquarters in San Bruno, California. That's just outside San Francisco. The news from Silicon Valley even reaching the president of the United States. Google owns YouTube and says on Twitter that it is cooperating with authorities. The White House says President Trump has been briefed. And we are awaiting a news conference from the San Bruno Police Department any moment now. In the hours before the chief stepped up to that podium, KCBS provided our trademark live team coverage with our partners in the KCBS Traffic Center and at CNET. To pull back the curtain on some of that coverage and talk about some of the issues that breaking news raises and that this particular story did, we have our guest in the studio, whom I will introduce in a moment. But you'll hear the familiar voices of my colleagues Rebecca Corral, Margie Schaefer, Patty Rising, Jeff Bell, and Scott Latiri, along with a KCBS listener, a trauma surgeon, San Bruno's police chief, and the YouTube employees who were gracious enough at a time of tremendous stress to help us help our listeners understand this event as it was unfolding. We want to say thank you to them and extend our best wishes to those who were injured and are still recovering. Welcoming our guest now. Thank you for coming in today, Ian Schur. He's the executive editor of CNET News, and you hear him on KCBS at 1.50 every weekday afternoon. You also hear him during breaking news events that uh, touch the tech world, as we did on Tuesday at YouTube. Yeah. Tell us about how you learned about the YouTube shooting and what you saw or experienced when you got there. So we learned about it, I think, the way a lot of people learned about it, which was over Twitter, of all places. There was a tweet that seemed to just go everywhere all of a sudden from a YouTube product manager that said that there was an active shooter and he had barricaded himself in a conference room. I think everyone in the newsroom immediately was like, whoa, what is going on? Is this real? Could this actually have happened? It was really kind of a moment that took a lot of our breaths. Once we realized this was this was real, this was not a some sort of a hoax, uh, which is the, the second question you have whenever something's on Twitter. We started calling people we knew, calling our sources, calling YouTube directly, and figuring out a plan. And my first thing was, car, go. Let's see what's going on. It's 111 at KCBS. We have a few more details for you now on what seems to be uh, at least reports of an active shooter at the YouTube building in San Bruno. Dan is a KCBS listener who joins us now on the newsline. He's on Southbound 101 in South City. What are you seeing, Dan? I've seen all sorts of police cars, everything from unmarked police cars, sheriffs, emergency vehicles, motorcycles, It just seems like I've seen 50 vehicles converge over to that area. And as I was 
approaching Sneath Lane, which is the exit, I had a bunch of cop cars pass me on the sides, on the shoulders, and suddenly the traffic all stopped. We sat in traffic for what felt like ever. San Bruno police are asking people to stay away from YouTube headquarters in San Bruno. Uh, the head offices are located at 9. By the time they finally let the traffic through, I'm drive down, and I noticed that there was a child uh, playground right to my left, which it just it struck me like, again, this is happening right here. And um, I have a two-year-old, so it was it was especially kind of a moment for me. Um, and then I went under the overpass to where they'd set up the police line for all of the press. You know, there was a lot of just, it seemed like confusion, like how serious was this? Because at the time, we were still just learning how many people had been hurt. You know, they were still bringing ambulances in. Uh, you know, we didn't know the extent of this. There had been thoughts among many of us that she had gotten into the shooter was actually in the building we now know that wasn't true and i saw one tweet from a uh from one of my colleagues that was on the other side so on the south side and i was on the north side of this whole thing uh saying that it seemed they were worried there may be another suspect and so i was like okay well i'll be prepared for that so it was really it was really an, an, an unusual scene, especially for me. I mean, I, I cover technology. I'm not used to going to an active crime scene. So that was really kind of uh, a moment there. Yeah, same. Although I go to crime scenes all the time and very rarely at tech companies. Right. We did not know at the time that I arrived whether there was a second shooter, uh, whether the person was still shooting. Officers here are keeping everyone they can at what they say is a safe distance, uh, saying that we're already too close to whatever is going on here. I can tell you that there are dozens and dozens of police vehicles, including uh, some from San Bruno Police, the California Highway Patrol, other local police departments. You can probably hear some of them are represented overhead in helicopters as well. A couple of fire departments here. Lots of uh, law enforcement personnel arriving, not so many leaving. Uh, we but I could see police activity. I could tell just from my experience that their posture was relaxed. Yeah. And we later learned that that was because the shooter had already killed herself. But you must have also been hearing from maybe sources, people that you know, friends even, who work inside YouTube. Can you give us a sense of how many people, I know YouTube has several buildings yes. in that area, about how many work at 901 Cherry Avenue where this was going on, and about how many, I, I, sh I saw and posted that video of just a fraction of them being escorted out, yeah. but how many people were, were being affected by this. So it's worth noting, first off, uh, you know, 901 Cherry Avenue is YouTube headquarters, which a lot of people may not know because most people think of Google, which YouTube is owned by, as being in Mountain View, right? And so, um, you know, in fact, I wrote a Frequently Asked Questions article on CNET where one of the questions I, I put in there was, wait, San Bruno? I thought they're based in Mountain View. Uh, because a lot of people, especially where Silicon Valley is an idea, not a place, they don't realize that there are, you know, there's a 20-minute drive between the two. So um, YouTube being based in San Bruno, they've got those several buildings. What we heard from the police at one point, I believe, was that it was numbered in the hundreds that were affected that day. Upon arrival, officers encountered numerous employees fleeing from the building. Uh, it was very chaotic, as you can imagine. People just started running. One of the people that ran away around the same time I did went upstairs and saw the shooter on the ground with a bullet wound 
presumably, to the chest. A shooting at YouTube headquarters in San Bruno. We have live team coverage. We're going to check in first with our own Jenna Lane live from the scene. Jenna? Just moments ago, police escorted what appeared to be dozens of YouTube employees, all of them with their hands over their heads uh, or touching their heads, uh, across Cherry Avenue. I, tell you, I spoke with one YouTube employee who heard the gunshots. He estimates he heard between 15 and 20 gunshots. Three victims of the shooting were brought to San Francisco General Hospital. Let's take you there live now to KCBS reporter Scott Latiri, who has the very latest for us. Scott? Initially, when all three were brought in early this afternoon, a team of doctors, nurses, and a therapist triaged and went to work. Dr. Andre Campbell is a trauma surgeon here. He was part of that team. Once again, we are confronted with the specter of mass casualty situation here in the city and county of San Francisco, where we've now had three victims who have come in that we've taken care of. This is unfortunate, and it continues. We obviously reached out to our sources. Most of them were just shaken. Uh, there was a lot of conversation that bubbled up rather quickly after th the kind of everything had calmed down about, okay, what's going to happen to keep this from happening again, right? How do we make sure that we're safe? And it's interesting because Silicon Valley, apart from being known for its grandiose campuses and all of the stuff and the Teslas everywhere and all that, is every campus I've been to always has security people. They actually have rather extensive security. And you can go to Facebook's headquarters, but you can't get in the door. You know, YouTube wasn't different from that. They had security. Uh, I think now the question is, how much more is this going to get bulked up? How much is, how is this going to change? YouTube themselves have said that they plan to, uh, to expand their security. But this is not one of those places where, you know, the conversation is, this is a building that isn't protected. And so that made it also, I think, unsettling for a lot of the people we were talking to. I think, too, that one of the reasons the early assumptions was this must be a YouTube employee right. a lot is of because that. of that perception of security that you couldn't possibly be in there, let alone with a gun, yeah. unless you had a badge to, to get inside. Some other early assumptions that we heard out there on the street were that it must have been a either a disgruntled employee or as soon as we started to hear that it was a woman – must be a jilted lover, right? A love triangle, yeah. <laughs> a sad girlfriend. It, it was it was weird, uh, you know. And look, there were actual media reports out there cl claiming sources with it. But we could not <laughs> confirm that, and I never reported it. And, and we were never able to uh, confirm it either. But we did we did say that we'd heard reports about it uh, because people wanted to know, like, what would drive someone to do this? You know, there's definitely the the retrograde, you know, if this is a woman, it must have been related to a love issue. And that's that's sad, right? That's something that I think we need to tackle as a culture at some point. But in the meantime, there were also, you know, I cover harassment on the internet as part of my beat at CNET. And so one of the storylines I started noticing in, in my Twitter feeds and everything was that there was a side conversation where um, kind of the darker parts of the internet were trying to pin this to terrorism. So what we do know about the motive that you have been able to vet and, and that does seem to be approaching the truth is that YouTube's recent policy change, demonetization, yeah. was somehow behind this. So first, there's never an excuse for a shooting. So I'm not even going to pin these things together. But let's talk about, you know, she had videos 
on YouTube that she talked about this. So it's a conversation topic worth exploring a little bit. So, you know, when you go to YouTube, you typically see an ad uh, either played before, during, maybe there's a little text at the bottom of the box that you may notice that you may not. Um, that is actually what pays the creators of those channels. You know, the, some people do it for fun, um, but there are entire people, an entire industry of people who make their living on YouTube and actually make quite a good living. They're the, one of the top YouTubers, his name is PewDiePie. He is a gamer. He makes millions of dollars a year doing advertising through YouTube and uh, playing video games. So Really? Living, millions? Li yes, millions. He's living the 12-year-old stream. And it's cool. Hey, good for him that he's able to do it. He's had his controversies. He's still doing it. But um, there's, there's a number of people who are in that type of position and able to build an entire media empire around it. It's really fascinating. Now, the suspect in this case may have been a YouTuber, but was not well known. as. She or... wasn't well known here. But in fact, uh, we're now learning that she was rather popular in Iran. And uh, she, she did videos in Farsi. And um, she also did them in several other languages. And so she actually had become a social media personality in other countries. There was this very wide breadth of videos she was doing. Some of them were workout videos. Some of them seemed very artistic. Some of them were rants against YouTube, especially as they started changing their policies. Uh, so there are a lot of people who make money off of YouTube. She was one of them. I don't know how much money she made. I don't think YouTube has told us. But it, it, suffice it to say, it seems as though it was enough to upset her. And what happened was that over the last few years, as um, publications, including the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and others, have found that YouTube's advertising policies allowed extremism to make money off of advertising as well, things started getting really tough at YouTube. So, for example, um, you know, PewDiePie, I mentioned earlier, this guy named Felix who plays video games, he made um, some very uh, off-color racist jokes in the middle of some of his videos, and he was making money off it. And once the Wall Street Journal pointed that out, it became a huge controversy, not just for him, but also how could YouTube allow this to happen, right? Who has their their hands on the wheel? And uh, by the way, this you may you, this may sound like a similar thread to what we hear about Facebook these days, right? Who who is in charge of the store if you are this huge company with billions of dollars and some of the biggest profits in the world? How are you not watching this stuff, right? That's one of the larger themes now of Silicon Valley. So at YouTube, there was this larger question keep coming up, and it, and it showed up again and again once people started looking for it. So there were neo-Nazis that were making money off of advertising, right? And advertising off of brands that you and I know in the stores. And these ads were being spread throughout all of YouTube, and it was, it was rather scary for these advertisers. And so they started pulling out really quickly and saying, we're not going to advertise if there's a possibility that videos that we disagree with on a fundamental level are making money off of our ads. And so uh, it, got, it came to be known internally in YouTube as the adpocalypse, this whole just sudden pullback. Um, they started training their computer programs to start looking for anything that isn't, quote, advertiser friendly. That included swearing, uh, violence. Uh, you know, it, it increasingly included guns. And it basically turned into if you're going to be on the extremist end or the uncomfortable end for advertisers, you're not going to make money anymore. And people saw their incomes dropping half more than that, some of them entirely. And so it appears as though this woman who shot the people at YouTube was affected by this as well. 
it used to be YouTube's problem was around copyright infringement, right? And I could watch South Park episodes on there. And now it's it was actual like bad stuff. So it just became more and more of a problem and they started tightening further and further. And now YouTube is at a point where they've got a pretty good handle on the what they want to advertise at and when, but it's been very tough for the creators. When would you say this adpocalypse began? How long has it been going on? It's been going on a few years now. Uh, the YouTube kids thing with the awful videos being shown to kids, uh, that became another huge firestorm. That only happened a year and a half or so ago. And so YouTube, in, in some ways, is still grappling with these issues. And while they may seem to have a handle on it and uh, kind of they're dealing with it, I will tell you, a week does not go by, and I watch a lot of YouTube because I'm just fascinated by the community there, where someone does not bring up monetization, demonetization. You know, I hear all the time, I know this video is not going to be monetized. I know YouTube's going to take away my, my right to make money off this video, but they still make the video, right? And they make a point of, of protest toward YouTube about this every time they do. And it's, it's a really interesting tension in the community. I noticed that one of the questions employees posed in the sort of town hall style meeting Wednesday morning after the shooting was, what, if anything, do our executives plan to do policy-wise to maybe start to relax some of these demonetization crackdowns? Are there people getting caught into the dragnet whose content maybe does not meet the the standard? Were they, in other words, being too careful for right. a while and now they have enough humans or algorithms or whatever sure. they use to, to screen the content to manage this issue a little more precisely? So it's worth noting, I don't think that they do have enough humans. And, and part of the reason is that YouTube is the largest video site in the world. Facebook is the largest social media site in the world. Two billion people uh, a month use it. And so you just you can't physically have enough people to monitor the stuff. YouTube tries, right? Um, but I you know I'm of the opinion there's never enough people following this stuff because it's just there's there's I mean, we're talking about entire weeks worth of video that are uploaded every few minutes. You can't even fathom the amount of information inside YouTube. and that's part of the problem. So you know, there is pressure at YouTube to try and make this stuff better. There's also another thread, which is this conversation is about a crazy person who shot up a building and allowing it to cause policy changes that are outside of how do we keep this place secure, how do we keep people safe, might not come off correctly. And so, um, you know, I think YouTube is, is stepping very lightly. And I think that whatever they end up doing around monetization is stuff that's going to be extremely considered and stuff that they will never want to tie to what happened uh, on Tuesday. Let's talk for a minute because I, you and I come at this from two different but equally valuable and experienced perspectives. <laughs> I'm a breaking news expert. You're a technology expert. We know that where these two things meet, a lot of misinformation gets distributed All quickly. A lot of us worried that some of those tweets we were seeing from YouTube employees were hackers, not even hackers, just trolls just taking advantage of a breaking news situation. Yeah. And in fact, that person I brought up earlier who was the first one where we found out what had happened through him, the guy who parricaded himself and tweeted about it, he got hacked. And someone started actually posting random tweets. It was very disturbing because not only is it frustrating when anyone gets hacked, 
but especially someone in the middle of a terrible tragedy getting hacked. I mean, then it's like, wait, can we trust the other tweets he wrote? Oh, my gosh. Right. And so there was a lot of kind of um, it's really hard. Right. And Twitter has a system, by the way, it built where you have that blue check mark that says that you are verified by Twitter. You're a real person. We know you are who you say you are. And he got hacked. He had a blue check mark. So, um, you know, the way we handle it mostly is that we try to confirm everything, obviously, before we updated our story the second time for YouTube. So we put up the first story saying there were reports. By the way, we didn't publish that story until we got a second confirmation somehow, and it came from the San Bruno Police Twitter account. And while the hackers are sophisticated, they haven't hacked two places at once as often yet and coordinated. So we felt comfortable that the San Bruno police were saying, okay, there's something happening in the vicinity. It was in police language. And then there was also this uh, this Twitter guy. So we put it up. We said there are reports of. We had not confirmed. But then we actually were able to confirm something was going on by the second update. For example, when the shooter's name came out, mm-hmm. which was about 7 p.m., a good seven or so hours after uh, the incident occurred, I was seeing a lot of comments and, you know, don't read the comments, but sometimes you do. Of course, the mainstream media didn't want to release her name. And I had to laugh because I was like, we didn't release her name because we didn't know it. Yeah, no. And we were very careful even when it was released in several news outlets until, um, you know, we actually waited until CBS had their own story. Uh, because it didn't come from the police. Initially, it was coming from quote-unquote sources. And the police only, uh, I think they only put out a press statement the next day about actually confirming her name. And so for a good 12 hours, there was just the sources said in her name. And again, right, making sure that we are incredibly careful about, you know, who who do we trust to tell us what the news is? And you know, I, I think every time, whenever a name is put out and put out in a news story that isn't coming from an official vetted source, I always think of the Boston bombings, and I think of every time someone has been incorrectly named in the press and how it ruins their lives. And I never want to be responsible for something like that. Same. And we definitely live in the world of trying to be conservative and careful. We did put on CNET this whole rumor about the uh, about the jilted lover, but we were very careful about it. And we said, you know, we have not confirmed this. This is what's going around. There's no information from the police. And so, look, it, it is our responsibility as much as finding out what the news is, is to also to explain the, what's going on around the news and the context around the news. I think in the past, when you ran across this type of stuff, you would largely ignore it and you would just stick to reporting the truth. And I think now you have to acknowledge it, right? You have to acknowledge that there is this entire other sphere of the world that hears all these other things that may not be accurate. And actually, you may have proven to be inaccurate for your sourcing. It used to be I had editors who would say, no one ever wants to know how the sausage is made. I think everyone wants to learn how the sausage is made. And so as transparent as we can be is always better. Ian Schur, executive editor of CNET News, thank you so much for coming in outside of your regular time. Again, that regular time is 1.50 every weekday afternoon, and we'll look forward to, to hearing your next reports. Thanks. Absolutely. Thank you. And I'm Jenna Lane, KCBS. You've just heard KCBS In-Depth, a news interview program, Sundays at 8.30 a.m. and 8.30 p.m. And now available for download at kcbs.com. In-Depth is produced by Cheryl Raines for All News 740 and FM 1069, KCBS.
Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.